I want to talk to you today about what do you see? What do you see? Can you see? What can you see? Just because you're smart doesn't mean you can see. Most people in this room, well-educated, beyond (laughs) well-educated. We're very blessed to be able to have access to a great education. However, just because you're educated doesn't mean that you can see. Are you talking about natural sight? Are you talking about some other kind of sight? I'm talking about the ability to see beyond your present situation. Some people can only see now, but they can't see tomorrow. But can you see beyond the challenges? Can you see beyond the adversity? Can you see beyond the exam? Some people just see the exam, but where's the exam taking you? I know what you're doing right now, but where's it taking you? So what I'm asking today is your ability to see beyond your present circumstances. How good are you at vision? Are you a visionary? Is that just a special few people that have the ability to see? Well, I don't believe it is. I believe the ability to see is in every child of God. Just like every child of God is creative. Every one of us have got creativity in us. We call it a department, but it's not a department. It's in every child of God. Creativity is not an identity. It's something that's very much in every essence of every person. And the ability to see actually is in every single person because there's something of God that is given to all human beings. So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 12. It's a letter in the New Testament. We don't know really the author. There's a lot of uh, um, debates on who the author is. A lot of obviously say Paul, but there's no... It's not not, There's an unknown there. We've got to leave it a little bit blank. We're not sure who the author of this letter was. However, who was their audience? Well, we've got a little more detail. They were people like you and I. Yes, mixture of Jewish, obviously, because a lot of Jewish references in there. But there were so Gentiles included in the story. And they were facing in the first century a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges. And they were struggling to see because their temple had been destroyed. Rome was dominating. Whatever the local governments were, whatever the uh, civilization at that time, they were under pressure and their ability to see was being messed with. And so this letter is not just to an ancient people that we don't relate to, it's very much relating to us today because we need to understand what's going on in our present circumstance. What do we need to be encouraged by right now? So let's read Hebrews chapter 12 to get an idea of what's going on. We are surrounded by so many great examples to the life of faith. Their lives, however, their lives show us what faith looks like. So we too can run the race that is before us and never quit. We should remove from our lives anything that would slow us down and the sin that so often makes us fall we must, make our, keep, must keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the leader of our faith and He is the one who makes our faith complete. He endured the cross, overcame humiliation, all because of the joy He could see waiting for Him. 
And now he is sitting at the right-hand side of God's throne. Think about Jesus. He held up and endured the pain, the anger, the insults, the rejection, the shame. Think about him and what he has done for you so that you won't get discouraged and pull back. Think about what Jesus did. Such a great, powerful reminder to the audience that were desperately suffering adversity. And so it says something interesting. For the joy that was set before Him, it's like going to the cross, that's sick. That's an execution. That's pain. It's brutal. It's bloody. It's like, no, He wasn't walking towards the cross joyous. Yay. There's no joy in the walk. It wasn't the cross that brought him joy. It was what was on the other side that brought him joy. Freedom, liberty, no barriers for anybody anymore. The cross wasn't the goal. It was what was on the other side. I'm sure most of us, I don't know anyone who loves exams. And if you do, you're, you're an unusual person. But it's not the exam, it's what's on the other side of the exam. The exam is just something you've got to apply yourself because there's something on the other side. It's a reward on the other side. There is a joy on the other side. The interviews are never pleasant, but it's on the other side of the interview, you got the job, if that's what you want. (laughs) What I'm trying to say to you is, is, it says for the joy, but you gotta remember he could see something beyond the cross. Can you see anything beyond your pain right now? Can you see beyond anything beyond your current circumstances? Can you see where you're going beyond today? Can you see beyond your current challenges? See, if all we are as people of God, but we're limited because we're so crippled by what we see in the, re- in the natural realm, then where is there room for faith? See, if there's faith, there will be vision. You can't be full of faith and go nowhere. Faith's gonna take you somewhere. And so we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. And then it talks about the ability to see. My question to all of you today is, how are you when it comes to vision? Can you see? Do you know where you're going? Can you see bigger? Can you see further? Can you look beyond your current circumstances and still feel strangely hopeful? Because right now, there might be a lot of factors that say, hey, it looks crazy right now. Maybe, maybe your realities are impossibles. It looks impossible. But this is where God says, but I've put the seed of vision in all of my children. So let me take you on a journey with the power of vision. Is that okay? And I really want you to ask yourself, like whatever it is that you need today, It can help you in any area of your life, family, work, projects, uni, church. This is the Word of God and it's rich and it will feed and nourish whosoever receives it. So vision and faith go together. That's what I've said. Jesus could see something bigger, something better, and He was something He could hold on to. You see, whatever you're going through right now, what are you going to hold on to that's going to take you to the other side? I've been on a roller coaster, and I'm telling you, I went to wherever it was in Germany, uh, not Eurovision, what's it called? The, 
Europa Park. I went there and they said, you've got to come on this roller coaster thing. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. No, you must come. We're all, that's why we've come. You know, I didn't come for this. No, you did. You've got to come, you know. Like, and I was so peer pressured into going on this ride, Silver Shadow, whatever it was. It was the scariest thing alive at the time. And, and, I, and I could see, the thing is, I could see the people coming off. And it wasn't exciting. You know, you know when you see the photo booths, you know, take a photo and, like, and they're like, I'm like, this is not a vision for my life. <laughs> no, you can't. Come on, come on. So I got, you know, peer pressured into this thing and I got on. And as soon as it started to move, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I couldn't say anything else except Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he was going up, he was going up, he was going up. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to meet you now. I'm going to meet you now. I was so like hating it at every level. I didn't care what people thought. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Buddha, Buddha, Buddha or anything like that. I was just full on Jesus right now. Sorry if that upset anyone. I don't mean to offend anyone, but I wasn't shouting Buddha. I was shouting Jesus. It went down. I thought I was going to pass out. I was holding on. I was, my knuckles were white. I was like, I was just thought I was going to die. It went everywhere. <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus. Came into the end. <laughs> Let's do it again. I don't know, but I'd overcome my fears and I was on round number two. The only trouble is I had to get off to get back on, which I didn't like because it was a queue. But I did it. I did it again. And this time I wasn't Jesus, Jesus. I was screaming. I was shouting. I was waving my hands in the air. <laughs> I don't know. But can you see yourself? One day holding your knuckles like, <gasps> and then the other side, the hands are in the air. It's not an emotional roller coaster. You're not that type of person. But vision, vision can help you get to the other side. It can keep you going. It can hold you when you feel like nothing else is holding you. And I just really pray that for you as an individual and for us as a church, where are we going to go if we don't have vision? Our world today drifts towards nihilism. If you don't know what that is, it's just this belief there is nothing. There's no meanings, no purposes, no morals. It's just a whole lot of nothingness. We are just here and gone. It is such, if you study it, it is such a demoralizing type of belief system. And yet there are a lot of people who would gladly say I'm a nihilist. It's just about what I see. They even comprehending morals is a massive one for them. And yet on the other side, we've got a world that's drifting towards totalitarianism. What is our form of government going to look like in the next 20 years? We actually don't know the crystal clear answer. So you've got these people who say there is nothing, people who are struggling to find hope through politics and economies, and yet we've got God's people in the middle, full of vision, looking through the challenges because we can see something better. No, it's not a world of nothingness and no meaning, no purpose. There is meaning. There is purpose. I know there's tragedy. I know there's pain. I know there's evil. But it's not for nothing. I know your child went too early, but it's not for nothing. Conception, life forevermore. God is a rewarder. He receives us. He doesn't take us. 
But the answer is not totalitarianism, my opinion or no, no. It's not that. It's we coexist in a world of beliefs. And you've got to get your beliefs worked out. Why? Because they either help you or they'll hurt you. Why don't you have a belief that vision could actually help you? And that's what I believe God is doing for us through this thing called vision. Jesus had vision of what the cross could accomplish. Can you see your loved ones coming to Christ? Can you see more for your family? Can you see more for your children? Can you see more for your own lives? Can you see children being sponsored, broken out of the cycle of poverty? Can you see marriages and families being restored? Can you see new opportunities? Can you see doors opening up to you? (laughs) Amen. Oh, I struggle to see. I know it's a struggle. But the question is not, can we relate with the struggles? It's what are we going to do with our struggles? I don't want to sit in a down and out with a bunch of strugglers. Oh, how are you struggling? How are you struggling? What are you going to do, struggle? Let's have another drink, struggle. I don't want to go to Struggle Street. I want to go to Vision Street. I don't mind if there's a struggle on the way, but I ain't living in Struggleville. You might be in a challenge, but do you know how to get through to the other side? There's more richness in the story of going to the other side. People do understand struggles because it's common to all. But people want to know they can go on the other side of a struggle. And I believe that's what God's doing with us. And so my question stands valid today. Abraham was instructed to look up and see much something much bigger than he could comprehend. Something that he would have to trust God for. Abraham, look up and see the stars. And he would have seen more stars than you and I because back then there was no light pollution. He could see everything. He could see, there was no even satellite pollution. Aaron Musk hadn't even got in the picture right now. There was no space junk floating around. We hadn't got that far. He would have seen everything. Have you ever seen the Milky Way? Have you ever seen the galaxies? Have you ever seen the solar system? It's unbelievable. You feel like you can go like that, a cluster of stars and eat them. I had that experience in Australia once in the outback. But I'll tell you, he would have looked up and he couldn't even comprehend. He said, Abraham, see the stars and the sand on the beach? This is what I'm going to do with you. He's like, huh? Have you got that kind of vision where you're like, huh? But he's going to need God for that to be fulfilled. Have you got a vision that actually needs God to turn up? Yes. Well, I don't need, I got a vision, I don't need God. Well, what kind of vision is that? I want to have a vision that I need God for in Jesus' name, amen. So that's my encouragement to you. <laughs> Moses was instructed to build according to what God had showed him on the mountain. And I'm going to stay true to what God showed me when we came to Berlin from London. God showed Moses something on the mountain. He said, this is what I've shown you and this is what I want you to... And I, I just pray that we'll stay true to what God has shown and not drift into something else on some other version. Paul said he was faithful to the heavenly vision. So Proverbs 29, verse 18, if you're going to have a verse that you like, this one I like. This is what it says. Where there is no vision, the people perish and lack discipline. Where there is vision, the people flourish and develop discipline. Other translations say, 
the redemptive vision. We have a redemptive vision, a vision that redeems. I can see God redeeming stories and people's lives, amen. Your story's unfinished, amen. It's not over. And so what I love about vision is it can help people to flourish. It can help them to develop discipline. Another word for discipline, it can help them to have the right constraints. A constraint is something that you allow in your life, not because it's imposed, it's because you see the profound wisdom of what the constraint has for you. For example, if you're skiing and there's a chairlift, you get on the chairlift and you lower the barrier down for your safety. That's a constraint. And it's not really imposed on you but it's there for you because they want you to get to the top of the mountain and to enjoy your skiing or your snowboarding or your falling. (laughs) Constraints. Do you have a good constraint in your life? Do you have moral constraints in your life? Christianity does have moral constraints. Moral constraints. Just because it's written. Is that going to stop you? If everything in life has to be written for you to not go there, is that how you're going to run your life? Is that how we're going to conduct your life? You need something bigger. You have something more sustainable, something more honourable, something more glorious, something that's going to actually hold you and keep you and say, I am not living my life this way. I belong to Him. He belongs to me. I am not my own. Even if I could... Why should I? If you ask a law question, you're going to get a law answer. What can I do? What can I do? You're asking the wrong questions. So moral constraints are actually something you receive because you know there's a bigger purpose on your life. You're going somewhere and you know that you do not belong to yourself. The nearest you'll get to this is marriage. I don't belong to me. I belong to Joyce. Why do you do that? I don't know, but we do it with joy. And we say, will you marry me? And will you marry me? Yes, yes. Kiss, ring, move to your future. I just gave all of me to her. I don't even have permission over me anymore. Why did I do that? Love. Really? Love? If you belong to Jesus, you belong to Jesus. And He belongs to you and you belong to Him. So it changes everything. So the moral constraints are not imposed. They are gladly welcomed. And that's where the discipline comes from. Love. You've got to have a belief that actually there is something greater on the other side of this. If you just have no constraints in your life, you don't get better, you get absolutely worse. You self-sabotage at a rate that you cannot imagine. So there's wisdom in having vision for your life. Wisdom will embrace the right constraints. There's lots of freedoms, but at the end of the day, they're not enforced and they're welcomed. Amen?
So what in constraint that you're willing to welcome into your life because of the vision of who you belong to in Jesus' name, amen. So there's a nice light one for you. Let's pick some heavier ones. I wonder if businesses have got more vision than the church. I wonder has Apple got more vision than the church? Is there more vision in sports than in the church? Has Bill Gates got more vision than the church? And if so, why? What would happen if the church had more vision than any other dedicated group of people on the planet? We have the resources. So what's stopping us? So what is distracting us? There's another story I want to leave with you, and that is the story of a man who went to see a building project. And he met three kinds of people when he went to this building project. Many of you probably heard this before, but for the sake of repetition, it helps the message. And he goes to this building project and he meets the first guy and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm moving bricks. He's like, oh, good. He went to another guy and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a wall. He's like, oh, good. He went to another guy and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. <laughs> and I'm having fun doing it most of the time. It's interesting, isn't it, when you go to meet people and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think it's interesting because the one who was moving bricks, he could only see now. I wonder how many of us are here now and all we can see is now. Just moving bricks, just moving bricks. Emptying the dishwasher, taking the kids to school, picking the kids up, moving the dishwasher, emptying the dishwasher, cooking dinner tonight, taking the kids to school, taking out the rubbish. I don't know, I'm trying to come up with something. Walking the dog, I don't know. There's a whole lot of ordinariness in our daily lives, but can you connect it to something bigger? Are you just moving bricks? Just living today? Well, the guy who was building a wall, he was only seeing today. Maybe you're here today and all you see is today. You don't even see tomorrow. You don't even care about tomorrow. You don't even know what tomorrow looks like. Well, I don't know if everyone sees tomorrow that clearly, but the guy that said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God, he wasn't just now, he wasn't just today, he was absolutely in love with tomorrow. He knew there was a future. He knew that every detail mattered. He knew that he could connect the dots. I'm here today, but I'm gonna be here tomorrow. I'm here today learning, but I'm gonna be applying that tomorrow. Everything God does, He uses. Well, I just moved to Berlin. I didn't even talk to God. God uses it. Well, I'm just doing this exam. I didn't even pray to God. He uses it. I went through this relationship challenge. He uses it. Everything good, bad and ugly, He uses it. God is the ultimate recycler. Turn to someone next and say, awesome. So my question to all of us today is, are you the guy that just sees the bricks? Are you the guy that just sees the wall? Are you the person that can see what God is doing to the glory of God? Let me tell you, vision, vision, vision. I've run out of time and I've actually got seven points on what vision can do for you. So, and I, I'm not gonna do it because I've run out of time. So my prayer is that if you're really wanting to get this message, you're really wanting to just, again, strengthen what you've already got in your own life, you're more than welcome to get my notes and... But vision is a major game player. 
And the seven things that I really have written down specifically, giving you scriptural references where this applies. But don't live your life another day longer, another hour longer without embracing vision. If there's faith, there will be vision. So if you've got no vision, maybe you've got no faith. And if there's no faith, there's probably no word. And if there's no word, then what the heck has happened to you? Who has empowered you so much to disable you or to limit you or to shrink you to absolutely doing nothing? Enemy loves it when we forget the word. Why? Because the word is powerful. The word of God is powerful. He hates it even more when we turn it into action. Faith in action. Because that's the only what faith can do. Faith can't do anything else apart from move. And he definitely doesn't want to meet a group of believers who've got faith for the future, full of vision. The enemy's defeated. So what's his future look like? Defeat. He's been defeated in the past. He's defeated in the moment and he's forever defeated. So why would you give so much ground to the enemy? Feed your faith. Get into the Word. Help each other. Nourish your soul. Build your spirit up in the Word of God and the wisdom of the Word in Jesus' name and turn it into faith and let that faith be a person that takes you towards vision, amen, where you see better days for communities, better days for countries, better days for economies, better days for musicians, better days for children, better days for the young people, better days, better days. Can you actually see beyond your phone? I think sometimes the biggest distraction is we've got the ability to see our phone, but we don't know how to see beyond the phone. You can see great things on your phone. I don't deny that. But I'm telling you, I'm speaking the Word of God right now and you can't go five minutes without looking at your phone. That's when you know you're in trouble. I dare you, just come out, just leave it at home. I don't even bring my phone on Sundays. Well, I take all my notes on my phone. Great. But I'm not talking about you. I'm talking the ones who can't listen for five seconds without being on their phone. Out of control, yes. Do I want to do anything about it? Am I willing to admit it? But let there be faith in this generation and let there be vision like never before in Jesus' name. Vision. Help me see, Lord. Help me see you at work in my life. Help me see beyond the problems. Help me see beyond the chaos. Help me see beyond the pain. Help me see beyond the loss. Help me see what you see in Jesus' mighty name.